Happy Draft Lottery Day, everyone. I hope you have your fingers crossed for tonight. But right now, we are rolling with our week of uh, prospect coverage. And today, we've got Sam McGilligan here to talk all about Ryan Leonard, a draft-eligible prospect for the upcoming draft. Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you the good, the bad, and the ugly about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, uh, don't worry, Hayden is going to be back tomorrow, but I uh, recorded an episode this weekend uh, with Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey about uh, a couple of draft prospect guys, uh, and we are going to be talking about them this week. But don't worry, Hayden, we'll be back tomorrow. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube and uh, also on the SiriusXM app. So if you are a radio guy, you can find Locked on Blue Jackets there as well, which is super, super exciting. Before we... Uh... You know what? Let's just let's just get into the episode. Uh, like I said, we are talking all about uh, Ryan Leonard this uh, today with Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey uh, American prospect, super exciting. Probably not going to be a blue jacket, but super, super exciting to talk about anyway. And Sam says it a lot better than I will. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into my conversation with him. It's almost draft lottery time. We're almost about to find out who is going to get Bedard, but there's a bunch of other prospects that are still kind of not as good as Bedard, but still there, you know? Um, so I figured we'd take another look at a couple of guys that might be available for the Blue Jackets. One of them is way more likely than the other, but um, I thought today we would talk a little bit about uh, Ryan Leonard, who I mostly know as the brother of John Leonard, who was very uninspiring in his kind of NHL career thus far. But by all accounts, Ryan Leonard, a uh, pretty decent player. Uh, and I've got Sam McGilligan here to... Uh, talk all about him and uh, honestly probably get off topic because I feel like Sam and I always end up getting off topic about something <laughs> dumb so let's uh, let's try our hardest to kind of stay on topic to begin with um Ryan Leonard when he steps on the ice what kind of player are you getting you're getting power skill speed it, it's like it's such like a basic set of tropes, especially for a guy who, if I'm remembering correctly, he's five ten, five eleven in that range. Like he's not a big bruiser power forward, but he plays like a modernized modernized power forward. He's all about getting that inside positioning and getting into middle ice. He has a boom of a shot, which can be easily used in motion, which is what elevates it kind of above a lot of the contemporaries he has around him in the goal scoring department. He is blinding with it I, I don't think that's the most accurate phrase because that kind of makes it seem like it's a pure power thing it's a lot of it's done in the release itself because it's so quick and he doesn't break stride and he kind of can shoot from these awkward contorted positions which are the ones where goalies aren't really set because they're way they time their sets with the like a shooter so they don't settle down until then so obviously nhl goalies are exceptional break that convention but that's okay leonard's a great shooter and he will score goals in the nhl he doesn't go like too crazy with anything this is a big part of why ryan leonard is flying up draft boards 
time this well today. Bob McKenzie just dropped his top 12 in May, and Leonard is all the way up to seven. Yeah, which that, is that like, surprised me. Um, but it, it I feel does, like we're going to talk it, about one reason why in, in just a minute. So, Yeah, like it does and it doesn't. In a, he has been the perennial riser almost for me all year long, where it's like the first viewing I must have had was a kind of a weaker one, and I was still figuring out the draft in so many different ways. So like he kind of gets tossed in like the late first category, and then you watch some guys, and you you know you're watching Will Smith, and he's on the line, and you're just like that guy is okay, he's doing some stuff, and then I believe. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but there was an event sometime around October or November where Ryan, the USNTV showed up. I think it was the five nations and Leonard just started like dominating, like really leveled up there. And I think he might've already had done this before him, but that's where I first noticed it. And he was like, I mean, like highlights, like he was plowing, he was plowing through guys just to immediately go for him back and forehand on a goalie. And just, it, it, there was skill, there was deception, all of it just, simplistic though he doesn't ever go too crazy with these things it's all he can drive along the dotted lines in the faceoffs. just you know drive alongside the dotted line get into the inside of the offensive zone cut outside cut into the middle basically whatever space is given to him threaten a shot if the goalie doesn't bite or if the defender overcommits to something pass through it and he recognizes when it's time to make the play and when it's not he doesn't like go too ahead of this at any point like there are some times when you know the play is kind of chaotic as hockey you know it happens all the time it's not it's a game where they're too they're trying to be structured but you know they don't stay structured and when those moments happen that's when leonard will bust out the skill he's like it's escapability it's just it's not again the flashiest stuff he's not trying to put pucks through people's legs more often but he will try and mislead them and misdirect and try and get out with his puck protected on his reach and he can shoot even when there's these weird awkward like fully extended shots with his arms just fully out he can still fire a puck with pretty good accuracy at that point too and these are all the traits that have just stayed the same gotten better and he's just gotten so much better at using or staying within these limits but still impacting the game more and more all year long this is Partly because of the line he plays on with Smith and Perot, because they just had such chemistry and everybody elevated each other and everybody understood their role so perfectly in that line. It's it's unbelievable. Everybody looked amazing. Leonard, at the same time, it's easy kind of seeing him play with those guys and be like, all right, well, NHLers are smart players. They're fast. They're skilled. They can set up players. Like if you're going in an NHL top six, like these are the type of guys you do play with. So it's not necessarily a negative that you were playing with Smith and Pro, or you're a part of this heavenly line. Like you can still absolutely play this role with other people. There's room to grow with using his hands and other ways to attack in the slot. Technically, it's probably not the path I would go with him just because I don't know. You know, like what works well is what he's already doing. Like some players need to change a lot in their game. Even some of the ones who are going to be drafted in the top 10, 15, 20, like some guys to be the impact player, live up to their draft position, they need to add or change things to their game. Leonard just needs to kind of keep refining the details to his. A year, probably two years in college, a dominant world juniors or two, and then he's going to be in the NHL and he's going to be ready to go. In a minute, we're going to talk more about 
Ryan Leonard with Sam. But first, I've got to tell you about Indeed because there's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build your team. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. It's the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to spend hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills. Indeed's powerful hiring platform can help you do it all. They streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you the perfect candidate. And with Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume matches their job description the moment they sponsor the job, according to their data. I always use Indeed when I uh, when I am job hunting. I have been unlucky enough to have to look for jobs a couple of times in the, in the recent history. So Indeed is the only one I use. And you can start hiring now. Join 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. You get a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's let's talk about World Juniors, actually, because I had kind of only peripherally paid attention to the under-18s tournament that just finished. Um, Ryan Leonard did okay in that tournament. A I little think, bit. You know, he had a, he had a decent tournament. Uh, seven games, eight goals, 17 points, um, which I feel like is probably not the whole reason he's been moved up the draft board, because, like, looking at his stats in general, like, he had 94 points in 57. He had 50 goals in 57 games for the USDP this season um like that's that's pretty good but i wonder if he is partially a vi- I, I say victim like that's a, a negative i wonder if he's being pushed up the draft board because he had such a dominant oh absolutely like under u18s are like notorious for placing a little too much emphasis on the people's draft boards it's kind of the same as like the world juniors as well like international tournaments there's like a fine middle ground with them where they're super important for analysis, but as long as you use them kind of the right way, some scouts just go like, I don't care what a season was like. Did you see him at this tournament? Rockstar. He'll be fine. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not. It's kind of hard to tell which players are right and which ones are. Some people disregard them and will just be like, this player played terrible at this tournament. I don't care. Look at his club play. And sometimes the tournament was kind of a change of flag. What is important is like, it's a new environment, right? So like they're taken out of what they've been playing in all year long. And they're now placed into a new one, new competition, new systems, especially when you're an international, because Sweden plays one way, Finland plays one way, uh, Czech plays one way, Canada plays one way. Everybody plays a little different than what they're used to. All the level of uh, competition has moved up a bit. The USNTP is a little bit of an uh, exception because Team USA is literally the USNTP. So it, they've played with each other all year and they have this chemistry. That line had the ability to form a bond no other line showed up with. Like the Swedish guys know each other and they played together for years, but like they literally played more games in the season than that group of kids have together wearing the Swedish jersey their whole lives. They played. What'd you say? 57 games, Ryan Leonard? 57 played with them. He spent most of them on that line because they stopped the line juggling with once they realized they wanted Oliver Moore back at center. They kind of formed the Perot Smith Leonard line and they didn't really adhere from it too much for, you know, kind of for obvious reasons. You hey, always saw broke, the you know? Yeah, all we saw at the tournament was like them, like the ultimate final form of that line just getting better and better all year and the motivation of wanting to win gold. Leonard is, was a huge key to it. 
he scores the gold medal goal. And it's like him who does it. He came in out the inside. He cuts into the middle. He uses his reach and just times this like extension to his reach. So while that defenders don't really att- go at him as well as they should, like they should have done a bit more, but they, they, there's a reason why they kind of hesitated. And then he used that hesitation to just snipe it. And then it's just gloves off, helmet off celebration, yada, yada. There's a reason why he's kind of the one who scored it. It was I, basically it was going to be one of him, Smith or Perot, and he was the one who just kind of carried it in and went with it. People, I think the major thing with Ryan Leonard in his tournament and just turn these events in general is if you have questions that you look at them from the club play, you're like, I wonder, you know, I think you're struggling with this because of X, Y, Z. I wonder how XYZ happens when you're in a new system and you're facing new opponents. How do you adapt to this? If they adapt extremely poorly, you're like, okay, maybe this is a bigger problem than I thought. If it doesn't end up being a factor whatsoever because everything was too different, then it's just it's not a factor. You look, you don't really, I don't know, don't factor it. <laughs> and then if they, you know, do really well and kind of blossom past your expectations, Brad Lambert, uh, <laughs> If they do that, then it's like, okay, wait, this international tournament actually means something. There are guys who I have absolutely boosted from their stock. Ryan Leonard is one of them. He was just outside the top 10, and now he's kind of probably, I'm looking at it because I'm trying to finalize the board, and I'm like, I see him for me slipping in at nine. And I'm very happy to take him there because realistically, you're getting a second line forward. And you can argue upside for some other guys after, but the upside's not that much larger you could argue that it's not even larger it just depends the role they play in the nhl and some coaches won't give these smaller players or these more unique players the chance that maybe we think they deserve and ryan leonard's gonna get it he plays like an nhler he plays the game that an nhl coach is gonna look at and be like i want you playing more minutes than you are and you're gonna make whatever line you're on better and that's kind of it like you just get a you get a top six forward out of it you're not getting a first line star you're probably not getting a bottom six guy unless some things kind of go ari you're mostly just getting a second line forward and there's no that's just a win you can't really unless you yeah like that feels like if you're like okay i could have either a bone a, a certain a sure thing a second line forward or i could have a guy that could be anywhere from first line forward to AHL player. Yeah. And there's in the first line forward, it's like, if it's only a 15% probability and you're talking like top 15 here, you're getting fired. If you're working in the NHL, like that's the other thing. Like we can talk, I can talk all I want about how I think Jaden Perron might just be as good as Ryan Leonard in a lot of ways. Jaden Perron has more risk. Jaden Perron might not play. Ryan Leonard's going to play the guy who picked Ryan Leonard after I picked Perron, his GM goes, Thanks for just, you know, doing the thing. And he goes, gotcha, boss. And my GM goes, pack your sh- bags. Pack your bags. That's that's what he'd say. He would say yeah, those three would words. Definitely say pack say, your bags. He wouldn't um, say anything meaner. <laughs> in terms of the in terms of the, the U18s, I was trying to find a, a tweet that I saw and I couldn't find it. Um, and that means I don't know who to credit it to. I'm sure it was, <laughs> I want to say it was Sebastian High with Dobba Prospects. Probably. Talked about... Um, you should never use things like under 18s to influence your rankings. What they should do is encourage you to go back and look at this player more and see if you've missed something in other games. I, it get, might, have, I might not have been Sebastian, but I'm I sure think, it was. I, I think it 
was because I think I remember this tweet as well. Maybe I'm thinking it's Sebastian because you said it first, but I actually am pretty sure it was Sebastian who said it. And I know Sebastian. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, I don't know. It's, I thought it was a really I, interesting way to think about it. Is it is an interesting way to think about it. I don't think it's that clean though. Like I do think the tournament itself does have mm. value because yeah, for sure. it's just about what to do with it. Like you don't go crazy with it. You very rare and you kind of need to know what you're looking for like i've had basically the thought is if this player does really well by overcoming x then he's flying up my board the play like the u18s confirmed one thing for one scout i know and i was someone who's had been up and down on him and i love him as a player but was just getting worried is otto stenberg the swedish player he mm-hmm. was sensational at this tournament he's i think the top scorer not on the top three lines he was just a force out there it was awesome to see him do it he answered all year long i had questions about okay is he still gonna be a little not attacky attacky i don't know why like you have all the skill in the world you have all the mobility in the world he's got a great shot that he doesn't really like to use all too much i felt he was super passive he wasn't fighting off puck as much in opportunities as he should and i had the impression that this was the player he was so i was kind of getting concerned and then you know i think it was like the january february mark he kind of starts like overcoming a lot of these issues so he moved up my board but i had kind of entered the u18s with a bit of a you can still like you were the guy on Sweden. You were wearing the captaincy. If you have a bad event, I'm ki- there's some guys knocking on your door who might, you know, push you away. Instead, he goes on with this tournament, and I'm like, oh, well, wow. Uh, okay, you're back. All you're all the way back up into like the top fifteen again. The, like Caden Price was another player from Canada. I was so prepared for Caden Price to jump up my board more than any player possibly could have i love the idea of what he can be so much if he gives me any even the slightest bit of like security in the fact that he can become that player which i thought i was gonna hoping to get at the u18s he was gonna go all he if the sky was the limit like he could have gone so high i thought he was a top 10 guy coming into the year he's probably not even a first rounder in a lot of arguments but as a defender, he's young, one of the youngest in the draft. He's so talented. He's got so many tools. He's the type of guy who really pops off at a tournament like this. And you go, oh, wow. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, David Edstrom and Tom Wallander on uh, Sweden. I need to go back and, like, detail view them. But they popped so much where it's like, whoa. Okay. You were just, like, blowing my mind with that performance like that is that is sensational stuff you you address a lot of issues Wallander was really static in Sweden you don't really see him activate a whole lot I don't mean like even in the ozone just like you don't really see him attack the way he did and like even if it's just in the defensive zone like he took people's space and was just really good with his feet and getting pucks out and like being creative with how he used his feet a lot. And it's like, oh, that's an whole new player. It's like, I don't know if you go back to his tape in Sweden and you find that. Like, it's there, but it's a bit of confirmation bias that you already saw it at the U18s. And then you're going back and you're seeing it. It's like, oh, look, it was there too. It's like, in a way it works, but at the same time, it's like, I can also see how this can lead to problems because if you don't understand why they did it at the u18s 
you might go back to club play, see little flashes and be like, Hey, look, it's there. And then they won't be able to recreate it. Cause it was like a U18 specific thing. So it's just, it's a, it's a really difficult balancing act and it's pretty much exclusively case by case in my opinion. And yeah, sure. it, anyone who kind of approaches it with a general rule, they're not necessarily wrong. I think all of the arguments have validity. It's just, you might be opening yourself up to a little bit of not failure i don't know i'm gonna finish up our conversation about leonard in just a second but first i've got to tell you all about built bar because i don't know about you but i am a gremlin person that exists entirely on like snacks and energy drinks and takeout and i need something a little bit healthier in my life something that has like nutrients and protein and things like that and built is the perfect snack they're covered in 100% chocolate, so they trick you into thinking that they're unhealthy, but they've got 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, only 130 calories, and a bunch of incredible flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. Uh, I am making my way through a box of grasshopper cookie flavored ones at the minute. They are incredible, and you don't have to go online to get them anymore. If you have a local Walmart, if you have a Sam's Club nearby, you can get them there. All your specialty flavors are available at built.com, but... Walmart has cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puff. Sam's Club has brownie batter puff and churro puff. So head on out there, grab your built bars, and enjoy the best protein bar of your life. You can thank me later. It could I be feel like with doing like prospect analysis, you are constantly arguing with yourself. That, it's it. That's um, you know, all- and like I am very on the on the fringes of prospect stuff. Like I do my my profiles every year, and I learn about the top like. 25 maybe 30 guys in the draft and then i'm like cool i'm done we'll do this again next year this was fun i don't pay attention to all like 417 year olds that draft guys do but it must just be such a constant cycle of is this guy good is he doing the right thing is he doing the right thing for the right reason am i reading too much into this is it uh, something i kind of want to talk about next is is he doing this because of strong line mates we talked about smith pro and um leonard being a trio that have basically yes. been glued together this entire year do you think teams are worried that you take leonard away from those two guys and suddenly in the in the same kind of way that i feel like and this is a, probably a more extreme example but i always think about when um conor mcdavid and dylan strome got separated and dylan strome went on to like light the ohl on fire and then struggled to find his footing in the NHL. I feel like a lot of people looked at that as, well, he didn't have McDavid, so obviously he was only ever as good as he was when he was with McDavid, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can see why people are thinking it, and I I don't think it's the same thing here with Leonard, Perot, and Smith, but is there that kind of... It can exist. It depends on who you're talking to. According to McKenzie's thing, all three are top ten. Leonard didn't surprise me. Perot, my jaw dropped when I saw that. I'm... A little for it. It's too high for me. I wouldn't, I don't see myself ever reaching that point. But like, I like what the, I I think the NHL teams have an idea of what they can do with Perot. That can be a special player. The Dylan Strom thing is really interesting. It's like, I, I didn't, this, that was the first year that got me into prospects. It was the Connor McDavid draft. And like, I fall, I watched, you know, I didn't have the access I have now. So you're watching highlights, you're watching, you know, whatever the hell you get when, as like the average person does when doing the draft. I remember seeing Strom in person, though, and just 
thinking that McDavid was about 80,000 times faster than him. And knowing what I know now today, Strom's issues were less that he played with McDavid and more that he didn't have the skills to separate and create that people thought he did. And people so it happens every single year. It's a cycle. It's the most frustrating thing to watch from afar. Fans will talk about how this player is scoring X, Y, Z. And that's why he's such a high ranking prospect and you need to take him. And if you don't have him this high, he scored 40 goals in the OHL. You're stupid, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, the NHL is the hardest league in the world. Every single draft, some more than others, but every draft, you can look at the first round. If you sort it by who got production and where they went picked and then look at how they're doing in the NHL, you will find every draft has a lot of guys who are just not living up to the production. That's why I don't really believe in the NHL models. I think like as a rule, it can lead to pretty accurate success, but you can miss on better players consistently by doing this. Like... Um, Noah Oslin, who went to Buffalo last year, didn't score a whole lot, but that's a I've I, I finished with him as a top ten player. Thought he was for almost the entire season. He was a top ten player in my eyes. Like look at the way he plays. Look at his feet. Look at his hands. Look at the vision. Look at the way he escapes pressure. Look at the space. That's what NHL stars do. Like if they do, they play like an NHL star. They play away. Like they don't like they don't evolve into NHL stars. It's so rare that this happens. Like not David Pasternak's are very rare. You don't go in the late first and suddenly add like whole new dynamics into your game and just like evolve and unlock into a bunch of new things. You mostly just stay a better version of what you were and refine things. That's what Dylan Strom is. He's still a good NHL player. He just not doesn't even come close to living up to his draft slot. Mostly because he doesn't have the feet, but the sense that he had to play at that level and kind of tear defenses apart. He's got skill. He's got puck protection. He's got vision. He was good at getting pucks in the middle of the ice. You know, he was a little fortunate with some of his points from what I gathered. And I say anymore and I start talking out of my wheelhouse. It's not like I watched shift by shift of them eight, nine years ago, but it's something you see in a lot of players. There's a couple going high this year, uh, more than one, we're on Bob McKenzie's list that came out today where I was like, yo, what? That is a production thing. That has to be. It's just like that. There's just no way you can argue. If you took the points out that you can make this argument, I don't know how it works. Yeah. We have to, we have to kind of get back onto oh, Leonard. Yeah. And this is my fault because I dragged <laughs> us off. But That's okay. It feels very much like, and I feel like we had this exact conversation last season, um, Brad Lambert versus Joaquin Kamel. Hmm. Kamel yeah, was scoring was basically one. at will. Brad Lambert wasn't scoring. Kamel went, yeah. what, 15, 16? And Lambert almost fell out of the first round. I think entirely. it was 18 and 30. Nashville yeah, and you know? And then now you look at what Brad Lambert's doing. Yeah. Um, that, like, really he haven't paid as much attention to Kamel. So I don't know he if he's did. also having success. But... <laughs> we... um. Just uh, this will take 30 seconds. We really quickly looked, me and a couple of people looked earlier into Kamel's years and we broke down his production by game from last year and this year. This was months ago. So if he had like a hot start to end the season, this ends the point. But at that point in time, it was a season and almost a second season. And he had something like 27 points in both of them, which is actually not bad. 
However, the whole thing that got Kamel so hyped was he had 10 points in his first 11 Liga games and eight of them were goals. You, they were very, very clearly lucky, almost all of them. He scored three goals by firing wristers from the blue line. That doesn't happen. Like it, Three went in, changed the draft narrative about the kid forever. Still a very talented player, but he just wasn't what people were talking about. And then you have Brad Lambert, who was obviously doing everything and anything he could to just dominate play and couldn't buy a goal for his life. The unluckiest player I've ever seen in my life versus the luckiest player on the same team. (laughs) And you can see how people just kind of looked at it that way. And it's like, it's one of those, like when you're watching them, what are they actually doing to score points? And is this going to work against NHL players? Some people just have really good production from a couple of tricks and a couple of habits that work until they don't. What, what are they when they don't work? Like there, there's so many questions. Every player is a puzzle. Like there's so many questions that you need to, and so many factors you need to consider when trying to project these players and like when they hit a wall, what are their options to get around the wall? What can they do? Blah, blah, blah. Ryan Leonard ain't going to have none of those issues. He's just so fundamental. I That's the word. It sounds like such a cop-out answer, but like fundamental is the word with him because it, he sticks within playing the structure of high pace pro hockey. He has all the skills that help create space and f- get into the slot and just earn scoring chances. He won't be the guy who's like, you know, taking on first pairing NHL defenders and, you know, dangling the pants off of them. I'd be a, if he does, it's not impossible, but like, I'm not counting on it, but there's, there's a lot of different ways you can look at Ryan Leonard, but they almost all kind of lead back to the same path with him. Like That's the part that really just makes him such a safe pick. And I think that's what NHL teams see when they look at the Smith pro Leonard line, they see each player, plays their own role within the line so perfectly and so projectably that you can picture them with two other NHL players who play similar and you can play you can pair them with any combination of NHL players who kind of fill the same role. Like you got a primary guy, a secondary guy and a dude who's kind of just cleaning up touches and connecting the first two guys together. Leonard is kind of what you're looking for, for a number two. The number yeah. two with a shot. If you want a number, if you want a number two who can pass more, maybe you don't take, Ryan Leonard, you take you take Zach Benson. You don't really think about it. You take Zach Benson. Um, yeah, you probably should just take Zach Benson, anyways. Uh, but it's close. Like Ryan Leonard is just an, a sensational pick. I could honestly see him going at like fifth overall. He feels like a player that is in that group of guys that could go anywhere from like fourth to twelfth. And it I think fourth would probably be a reach. I would like, agree I don't with that. One. I think there'll be people out there that'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think fourth would be a reach, but I don't think it's impossible. Like that's the craziest part. Like it don't I I don't think the NHL takes him over Smith, but he's their type. So the fact that they love Smith so much that they have him at three blows my mind. He is I always and this is this is something that we can talk about next episode. Um, but I want to talk about Bob McKenzie's ranking specifically, and I have a theory on why they are so out there. Um, but just to kind of to finish up on Leonard, 
who is a team that you could see him having success with? Like, he's not going to be a blue jacket unless something either goes horribly wrong or horribly right. But who who is a team that you think Ryan Leonard could could have success on? He has it. Is it a cop out answer to kind of say that maybe he is the type of player that is a bit of a foolproof? Like, no team can really like. I could. He's. I don't know if Philadelphia will do it because he might just not be Philadelphia big enough. He's too small. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but like he could you could take him and develop him into like the epitome of a modernized flyers player like he could be the better version of what everyone kind of wants cutter goche to be and they took cutter fifth so like yeah we could you could see that conversation happening at the same time let's just assume a team like toronto or tampa could pick him like the modernized like really active puck moving open space attacking teams that get into the middle ice and for their chances he can play their game. They could develop him into that role. Like I think he can be developed into almost any system. And that's the, why he's go also such a top 10 pick because it's like, no matter what you get with them, like you can get him to, you can work with him and turn him into a cycle player. You can turn him into a four check player. He's already a rush player. Yeah. Actually he's already a rush and a four check player, but like you can prioritize him to play a certain way. It just depends on what, coaches with them and who's working with them but he will actually glue into almost any lineup i can't think of many examples where he wouldn't and that's all i've got for today uh tomorrow we will be doing a a, a, a reaction to the draft lottery that's happening tonight uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Hayden will be back for that. And uh, we will also be doing a second episode tomorrow. We'll be doing our season review of Mathieu Olivier, uh, which I'm sure will be full of uh, polite debate and no mean things ever. Um, so that's what we're coming up tomorrow. Draft lottery reaction. We're all crossing our fingers, hoping that it's going to be a really exciting one and uh, that the Blue Jackets come out on top. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at uh, underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And uh, thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms, over on YouTube, and now on SiriusXM. Every day is, you know this by now, but I appreciate you. If this is your first time here, welcome on in. I appreciate you as well. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Like I said, keep all of your fingers and your toes and all your other digits crossed for the Blue Jackets to win tonight. Uh, but until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.